All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the We Are Children's Division podcast, uh, the, the uh, particular uh, podcast where we talk about uh, all, of our, all of our areas of practice. But in particular, we have been talking with our leadership, our, uh, our deputy directors, our regional directors, introducing them to everyone and giving folks the chance to get to know them. Today, uh, we have the great honor and privilege of speaking with Tiffany Moore. Uh, who previously was the regional director in St. Louis and now uh, is the uh, deputy director of operations and uh, has an office right next to mine. So when she comes to Jefferson City, she has to uh, she has to put up with my morning music. The morning jam uh, is always happening, and uh, she gets to do that as she is right next door to my office. But what an honor to work <laughs> with Tiffany, and I'm I'm just glad that we get the chance to have this. Uh, conversation today. So here uh, in this podcast, of course, is Tiffany Moore and our, uh, our communications guru. She's going to put that on her byline, communications guru. It's going to be on her <laughs> card, uh, Ashton Kiever. Ashton, how are you today? I am doing great. The weather's beautiful outside. You know, we're starting to get that like real spring, you know? It's about time, right, Ashton? Uh-huh. We deserve it. It's yep. been crazy wild weather lately. Yep, it needs to happen. Now, you probably will notice that uh, I sound a little different from these guys because I have to be re remote today, but uh, Ashton and Tiffany are sitting in my office. So I'm looking at this computer screen and my office back there. What a fine looking office it is too. Uh, but uh, I wish I could be in the room with them because it's just, it's just great fun. So, uh, so Tiffany, thank you for being here. Thank you for uh, taking the time to, to talk with us about your journey and sharing it with uh, all of our folks. Thank Thanks you for, for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm oh, glad to do it. So, so why don't you tell us uh, how did you come to how did you come to Children's Division and and this point in your career? How did you get from there to here? How did all that right. happen? Well, okay. So I I tell people this, and I honestly mean this. In the <laughs> I when I first decided I wanted to even work for Children's Division, I was around thirteen. I know that sounds crazy, right? You hear when I was a kid, I knew I always wanted to work for children's division. But when I was around 13 years old, um, I used to watch these old shows. I don't know, Ashton, I don't know how old you are, but I used to watch this show called Good Times. Daryl, have you ever heard of that show? It was like oh, yeah. an old urban show. And there was one episode where they had a social worker come to the house. And weirdly enough, the what the social worker talked about and the circumstances were kind of similar to some things going on in my life at that time. And I felt as a kid, like that person who was in that role was super supportive to what that, that kid needed um, in that family. And it was like a personal connection for me where I felt like kids were often, you know, in, in my family, they were seen and not heard. You do not talk. You know, you're there, but you, you don't say a lot. And so um, that experience for that child was being a, a victim of um, physical abuse um, by a caregiver. 
and having another adult, a trusted adult step in and help them. And so it made me feel something that, you know, just kind of sparked for me, like, this is, we should be here to protect each other. We should be here to look out for each other. And I just, I knew then that that was something that I was interested in. Um, I went through a lot of periods in my younger life where I felt like safety wasn't a given for me. It wasn't always present in my reality. And so growing up, I had those adults around me who were those protectors, but then you had some people who just didn't have the skills or the information or resources to know how to be protective to kids. And so, you know, just a culmination of those things, it just kind of led to me making that choice, choice, right? Going into college, that that's what I wanted to do. You know, that's really powerful, Tiffany, because I think it, it speaks to, uh, it speaks to your nature that it, that empathic, caring, you know, servant kind of nature that you have, you're looking, you're looking out at other people and saying, how could I help people like me? I mean, I was 13 and I, I wanted to be a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. Okay. There was nothing, there was nothing selfless about that. I just wanted to strike people out and have people cheer. That's what I wanted. And so it's uh, it just goes to show that, you know, you were thinking early on about service, which is really yeah. cool. That's, and that's really awesome. Like, you know, I know I've had those thoughts about doing other things, but it was just something about that experience um, that just kind of made me feel like, hey, this is this is for me. You know, that's something I should be doing, you know. So when I um, graduated college, I actually started out in substance abuse. So like working with adults who um, had experienced periods of addiction or um, they were they were having problems in their life as a result of some of those choices they were making. And so for me, um, my role was to be the person to come in and really sit with them and do that, you know, quality engagement piece, um, the, you know, just seeking information, understanding who they were and what they wanted to see different about their lives and then to help link them to resources. So that's kind of how, you know, my first experience in child welfare was that a lot of those adults were parents, you know, and I couldn't get back then. I couldn't actually get a job. I worked in Illinois and I couldn't get a job for their uh, DCFS because I had no experience working with kids. So um, I had to actually come to Missouri to start working because you, you could with a degree, you could work in child welfare, whereas you couldn't do that in Illinois at the time. So, yeah, it was really interesting, but um, I knew ultimately that's where I wanted to land. But I think having that experience first helped me understand, you know, a lot about from an adult perspective, what are those factors, what are those situations and influences that might cause a person to have these things, right, kind of spiral or happen in their lives. And so then transferring that to working here in children's division, then I felt like it put me in a position to be able to support parents, you know, and say, okay, having some understanding of this um, and how things get from one place to the next, how can I be a resource to help children and families reunite, you know, so that that's why when I started my career with CD, I had to be a foster care worker, you know, <laughs> I think if they would have told me, um, I, you know, you got to do something else. I don't know if I would have started, you know, I think foster care was where my heart was when I, when I came to the agency, you know, yeah. Well, and, you know, Tiffany, the fact that you work with those folks that were struggling with addiction 
early on, you, you come to understand that the, these are people, these are real people and not just some kind of number, not just some kind of a, a person on a spreadsheet that says, how many people do we have that have this? It's, it's re real folks who are struggling with something. And that's right. That's right, Daryl. They were, you know, in a real way, um, my caregivers, right? My parents, adults who I loved. And, you know, being able to just kind of equate any person who, regardless of their situation, they have families, they have, you know, cl close connections to people, and they also struggle with this. So they're humans and they deserve the opportunity to make things right for themselves and to make things right for their families. That was, you know, for me, um, ultimately why I made that decision, you know? And so, you know, after um, I did foster care, probably I was a foster care worker for maybe four years, I decided, well, you know, maybe it's time to try something different before I, you know, I, I knew I wanted to stay with the agency I had in my mind. I'm going to retire from Children's Division. I, I'm never going to leave this agency. I, you know, that's the feeling I had in my mind, but I knew I wanted to do something different. So I decided to become an FCS worker, which is Family Center Services. And so for Family Center Services, that is, well, you don't wait until a kid comes into foster care. You support families before it ever gets to that and do everything in your power to keep it from getting to that. So, you know, working from that angle helped me also see another side of this, which is engaging the community, right? Because it really takes a village and doing FCS taught me the value of working with other people and engaging people who love, care about parents, who care about kids to say, okay, how can you be a resource to make sure this child has what they need at home, you know, so they don't ever have to leave their bed. And so that was, you know, that was my journey then into a three year, um, you know, a career in, in frontline family center service work. So it's really interesting, Tiffany, because, you know, when I came to the agency, everybody was talking about uh, the old days when we used to do family centered services. I mean, that's what I heard from people and and basically it had died at the hand of staffing issues, at some philosophical differences people had with it, and it, it, it had just gone away. Well, now we're we're moving back that direction, right? We're moving back That's into right. the land of of uh, prevention and of helping. And uh, so, what are your thoughts about how we, having done it, having seen it both ways, and having seen it transition uh, the other way? What what are your thoughts about what we're ramping up right now and how we should do that? Well, first of all, to say I'm thrilled is an understatement. I think for me, the the biggest thing um, we can do as an agency to be successful with really delving into this part of prevention um, for families is building the strongest possible network we can with providers and resources that people really need. You know, we know housing stability, financial stability, um, any resource that helps a family feel whole, that's what they need, right? More than us. <laughs> and when we do a really good job of partnering with those people to help bring people um, the support that they need, th they are always better in a better situation. Kids are always better off. Um, I couldn't imagine as an adult, if I didn't have the basic things I needed, that I could be successful as a mom. You know, and so, you know, um, for us in this prevention piece, it just gives us an opportunity to build those partnerships and connections so that we can help people be successful. You know, I see us being able to bring workers, people in our workforce into the community. 
um, having them engage in hospitals and police stations um, and different places where families come and receive services and using that person as a liaison then to connect people where they need to be connected, you know, and and that to me is a is a value added to our community that's invaluable, I think. Yeah, and well, you know, Tiffany, you know, you and I have a uh, have a, a something in common when we talk about our own childhoods, right? Because yeah. you know, the the drivers, the drivers of the numbers, the drivers of the the kids coming into care, and in, in my experience anyway, were always addiction and mental health. And you know, you're, and, and by the way, and those things are often connected, aren't they? And yeah. so. You know, and, and so, you, you know, you, you had family members dealt with addiction. I had family members deal with mental health. And I think about the things that we do and I, I think about the, the sort of, uh, you know, take the children and, and, and store the children approach and I compare it with that FCS approach. And I think, you know, I, the 1st approach, it causes me to go, oh, if you done that to fam my family, you'd have killed me. And the 2nd approach, it causes me to say, if, if that, if that family centered service worker had come to my house. I would have loved that person and that person would have been our friend, you know, and, yep. the, the, you know, that person's coming here to help us deal with our stuff. I mean, it's just the, the way the family engages with you would be totally different, right? Absolutely. I think back to, you know, um, I can remember from the time that I was a family center service worker, Ashton, um, I was um, maybe an FCS worker for three years. I took, there were very few children who had to enter foster care during that time um, in my position in that role. And I took a lot of pride in that because for me, it was a matter of being able to make sure that when I was going out to see kids, cause you know, you don't, you're not with them every day. You're with them, you know, several times a month. Um, sometimes you might have a, a, a meeting with them, a you know, larger meeting with them once a month. Sometimes it could be three times a month, depending on what they need it. But when you are out there with a family, the key was who else, right? Who else from their support network has eyes on these kids? Who has, you know, direct uh, interaction with parents to be there when they need something? Because some, they're not going to tell you everything they need, you know. Um, they're not going to always be open about that. But when when there are connectors, people who can be supportive and provide resources, you know, transportation, um, childcare, uh, supervision, food, anything that families need to help them be whole and they can be part of that network and you know they're there and they're invested and, you know, you talk to the kids alone because, you know, you spend time talking to kids alone and you find out grandma came and she, you know, made tacos with us last night or we went to, you know, aunt's house and she watched us this weekend so mom could go out. Like those are the kinds of things that you you hear when, when families start to trust you and they start to feel confident that you're really there to support them. They let you in on, these are the protective things that we bring to our families to make sure they're okay, you know? And we are just kind of those liaisons, those links to, to help them establish those relationships, sometimes rebuild those relationships when they're lost, you know, due to things like addiction or mental health, um, because family members struggle with, like, you know, People messing up sometimes, right? People will mess up. Um, and sometimes they mess up again and again, you know? And so supporting them with resources to help them understand that addiction, but then how to be there, right? Um, in the right way to make sure kids are safe, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's powerful. That's powerful stuff. You know, we 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 talk a lot about uh, you know the the uh, mindset that we've been working on with people, and you know the idea of the ideas that are there is of course the the prime directive of helping people. I mean, you're you're not you're not out to get anybody. You're not out to uh, you know to to uh, prosecute anyone. You're out there to help people as the prime directive and you're doing that by following another directive which is listening to people it's like so who are your you know who's your network and how do they help you and uh if so you're struggling with your addiction and you you know and you're in treatment uh who's the backup plan if you have a relapse you know how are you gonna how is your family gonna handle this what are you gonna do to make sure that that your whole network comes around and supports this child and that's that's just some powerful stuff so absolutely it is it is yeah well we could talk about that prevention and family-centered service work all day because it's 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 my passion big part of why i why i came and wanted to do this because it's 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 a big deal so the fact that you've been on the ground and done that tiffany is really a powerful thing i think as as a leader of the agency you understand it uh better than than a whole lot of people a lot of ways better than I do because I only saw I only saw the impact of it not being done, you know, and they went up in court with me and you saw it, you saw it prevent all that. And so I think that's really a powerful and wonderful thing. So how did you leave FCS? What did you do after that? Why would you leave yeah. such a glorious, wonderful position and stop doing that? Why? Yeah. So um I had it in my mind, Daryl, at some point that I could find a way to be supportive to every program. And so, you know, I thought about, you know, how could I do that? An opportunity came up where we had a position called um, a quality improvement specialist. So, you know, in my mind, I thought, okay, in, in that kind of role, you have the opportunity to look at people who are working in FCS, so family-centered services, alternative care, um, child abuse and neglect, resource and licensing. They all share similar concerns, right? How do I get the most out of my work day to be as productive as possible and help people? You know, in social work, you never feel like you have enough time. We don't, we never have enough time to do everything we, we want to do. But, you know, how can, how can we bring some efficiency to that? So for me, when that opportunity came, I jumped on it. I jumped on it because I thought if I can help people just kind of look at the resources they have in front of them, and figure out how to leverage in a way that would bring them more time to actually spend with families, which is what they, you know, they started the job to do. They didn't start to do a whole bunch of paperwork all day. You know, they started to actually interact with people. How can I help them get to that? And so that's what that position allowed me to do, being a specialist. Oh, that's cool. So how long did you do that? I did that for um, probably about two years. And then um, the opportunity actually came as a result of me doing that position to apply to become the, the unit manager of the quality improvement program. And so um, I, I did, I applied for the position and um, I got it, I was so thrilled. Um, and it was my first time actually experiencing our central office, right? Like coming into central office and seeing how it was set up. Um, but that that position as a quality improvement manager, it, it gave me the opportunity not just to focus on the area that I was in, right, which was St. Charles, um, kind of St. Louis metro area. It gave me the opportunity then to focus statewide because, you know, needs are so different. 
depending on what region you're in, um, whether you're in a metro, um, a rural area, um, in, in any part of the state, you could have different variables, um, different cultures and, and, and different ways of doing things. So that position just kind of was the opening for me to figure out how to support people um, in different parts of the state. I bet that was educational, right? I mean, because you were used to the way they did things in your neck of the woods and the idea that they did something different in, in Kirksville or, or Springfield or some other place. It's, it's, I mean, it's been an education for me to hear what people are doing from all over the state. Absolutely. And, you know, some of my absolute best learning came from that position because as a quality improvement manager, um, I was able to see how people leveraged whatever resources they had in their particular area to get something done, right? To accomplish a goal. And, you know, the cool thing was seeing how people would partner with, you know, judges, how they how they would create these unique things with um, people in their school districts and in their community to get needs met. And so when there were issues or deficits, we, you know, with those relationships, we do things like summits, you know, back then where we bring people together, we bring their information that was relevant for their area um, and have key speakers to help kind of walk them through a, a strategy approach of like really analyzing what is it about your unique circumstances um, are you seeing? How are you, what, what are the barriers, you know, getting to the root cause of problems and then helping them come up with strategies. So that position for me was just, it was so eye-opening um, and, it, and, it, and it just taught so much about like, you know, how just because we all have the same or similar experiences, right? We, we are all very unique and how we see them depending on where we are in the world, you know, um, what region we are in, um, how many community resources we have access to, or how many we're missing, you know, <laughs> and, and then how we use that to, to come up with strategies. So how did you get from there to where you are now? Yeah, so um, after working in that position, um, an opportunity came for me to work as a, a training manager um, to support the state with developing um, core curriculum for frontline team members. And then after that, um, an opportunity came for me to serve as regional director over St. Louis. And so then from that position, it led me here. Wow. So then total, like how, how long have you been with CD? Um, now it's been, uh, make sure I get the accurate. I think it's been about 19 years, but 18 and a half, so 19 cool. years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a hard time believing I'm that old now. Like, I, you know, <laughs> like, wow, I've really been, yeah, you know, with Children's Division for almost 20 years of my life. Right, <laughs> right. You're here. thinking, wait a minute, I've been here since I was five. That's How did right. That happen to me? That's exactly I mean, what I, I was start, thinking. I, I started, started at Children's five. Division when I was in kindergarten. That's I right, you know. <laughs> well, and what you'll notice, Ashton, about Tiffany is that she has she has played more positions on this field than anybody I know. I mean, she has done, she has done a, a, a little of everything from every context and, and it, it's really a powerful thing. And, and I'll tell you when, um, when the uh, position of uh, deputy director of operations came up, uh, I was, I was sure of this. 
uh, based on the fact that I'd met the leadership of this agency and I knew that this person should come from within this agency, I knew it ought to be one of the regional directors. I mean, our regional directors, I mean, you're going to inter we're, you're, we're, we're, you and I are going to have conversations with all of them. All of them are fantastic. They're absolutely uh, fantastic. And in talking to all of them, I'm, I'm convinced that that all of them could could do the could, could have stepped into this role every every absolutely. last one of them. But but when when you talk to everybody, you know, uh, you, you talk to other people, repeatedly people say the person that should do this is tiffany moore i mean when you hear that from so many people that you know and then and then when you talk with tiffany and you you've gotten a, a sense of who she is what her vision is what her heart is you know what she cares about what she, the things she's done the knowledge she brings it was an absolute uh, it was an absolute no-brainer to say you know yeah tiffany moore ought to ought to Ought to be the person that that gets to do this, or that that we have the honor to have do this, uh, because she just really brings a whole lot and um, is really doing terrific. So, so what does a what does a deputy director of operations do anyway? Actually, maybe the be better question is what does a, a deputy director of operations not do? Uh, but uh, that, that that might be a shorter list, but maybe less informative. So, what is it? What 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 are, what are the basic roles of your position right now, Tiffany? What's it yeah. what's it like? Okay, so um, as a deputy director of operations, um, I cover FACES. So we have a FACES that is our family uh, um, and electronic information system. Um, I also have training. So that's professional development and training for all frontline team members. And we also cover fiscal. So that includes contracts and budget oversight and support. We have recruitment and retention. We have a recruitment and retention um, specialist who's part of our unit. And then we have constituent services. So that covers all um, external communication coming within the agency. And then uh, last but not least, our quality assurance system, which covers um, CFSR, that's our Child and Family Services Review, um, COA, Council on Accreditation, data, data quality, and data governance, and anything else you can think of related to uh, supporting improvement strategies for, for the state. That's actually really helpful because um, I like, I never know when the time is to email you. I know when I need to email Angie. I know when I need to email Danielle, but I'm like, I know there's stuff that I'm working on that I should be reaching out to Tiffany for, but I don't know. So I'll usually just copy all three of you and figure that you'll answer if it's yours. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yep. You can reach out. Well, to and to, yeah, to, and to summarize all that, really, it's it's the it's the person that keeps the wheels rolling. I mean, it is the logistics of this thing. It's like, how do we how? So, you know, Danielle's working on on the the prevention and response, what we do on the front end and 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 Angie's working on. I, I hate I hate that we use the word permanency. It's almost more like it's more like uh, you, you know, practice, you know, our, our, our practice and care for kids who are in care, right? That's, that, that's, that's, that, that's who those, those two things are. Tiffany gives them everything they need to do what they do, you know? Absolutely. So, so it's really, it's, it's, it's really a huge, huge deal. And actually, traditionally, the person that sits in Tiffany's spot has been sort of the person who steps in uh, when I'm absent and, and fills in for, uh, you know, in leadership, because she, she does touch on all of those other things and has done a great job with that. I can always know that when I'm not available, I can, I can reach out to Tiffany and say, look, you're going to, 
you, you know, you're, you're going to get Tiffany in my place and you're going to get somebody who knows this agency much better than I do. And it's, uh, and boy, it, it just, it just does my heart good to know that that's true because, um, I've always, she's always there. Uh, we know we've got her and we're, we're, uh, you know, we're just honored to have her and glad that it's happening. So, so in your, in that realm of our, our, uh, logistics and making the wheels turn, what are the big things that are happening right now? What's, what's uh -huh. cooking right now? All right, so what we got cooking right now, we are in process of updating our child welfare practice training. So new team members coming in will experience a better experience of knowing that they're going to know what they need to do when they knock on that door. That's, you know, that's really where we're trying to get our frontline training. Um, folks want to know what, you know, what, what is their mission? When they come in this door, um, we're moving to a, 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 an approach of they practice in real time in a safe environment, what they're going to be doing when they interact with families. So um, simulation training is going to be part of that, which is a very exciting thing wow. for us and a new thing, right? Yeah. So it's really cool. We're working with some university partnerships around that. Um, we also are working on a brand new computer information system that is a huge project for us. And so really, it's a matter of making sure that when we design this new system, that we are getting the product that families who experience our system, children and families whose information we need to protect within the system and people who we need to pay to make sure that we are being supportive to those who are doing the quality work um, to support children and families that all those things align. So that's what the new computer system is, is you know, going to be about. Um, a, a few other projects coming from the unit um, as, as it relates to recruitment and retention, we have some work happening to build a liaison relationship with community or, um, or schools so that we can establish some type of learning opportunity for those who, um, who are seeking a career with children's division. So we're working on that and, and just kind of working on the details. Um, I can't talk too much about that because we, we haven't established fully exactly how it's going to work, but just know that it, it will really be centered around helping bring people to the agency and giving them a taste of what we do before they walk in the door so they can truly and genuinely be prepared to support families. That's a good idea. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's 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 powerful stuff. And 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 the fact is is that any one of those things could be a full-time job, right? And, and they're not, uh, because you know, you you've got and you've got people working with you in each of those areas, but uh but the fact is, is that, you know, when, when I went around and did the vision surveys and I, I heard from people, things that they said we needed that we needed to change and improve and do something different on were, you know, that the, our training, our training, they found to be impractical and not useful. And what you're talking about is a very practical, a very practical hands-on approach to that. Uh, and that our computer system faces is, is a terrible, repetitive, ancient, unuser-friendly, difficult thing and that you know we're getting the opportunity to eventually replace it so good luck with that tiffany that's all but that's just a lot of work and uh you know i'm glad you're <laughs> yeah yeah glad thank you yeah glad you're at the helm to make all that happen so and and it is an exciting time because we're getting those opportunities to do those things i mean we've been given resources to do them and so it's a it's it's a it's a great time to be in in a spot to deal with all that 
Absolutely. Yeah. It feels really good to know all of the things, right? The things you mentioned, Daryl, um, our, our folks really do feel like people are listening to them and hearing what their needs are and working really hard to try to bring those things. So it's, it's a super exciting time and to be part of that is it's an honor for me to have the opportunity to be part of that um, and to see the changes that we've been talking about for so long and, and now they're starting to happen. So, you know, we, we like Daryl said, we really do have a great team of people. Any person on that team, you know, can, can do this same thing and everybody's motivated to make sure we have um, the right things for, for our folks. So, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's a very good time. So a uh, question we've asked everybody is, you know, what's your vision? And what's your vision for the agency? What do you want to see happen uh, as we go forward? What what uh, is success for you? What do you think? Mm -hmm. So success for me is honestly people being connected where it's most valuable for them, and it and kids are are feeling that sense of safety in whatever situation they're in, and that they have those immediate resources that we are connecting them to, but not intruding in their lives, but being supportive in their lives. And for me, that's the bottom line. When people feel better, when people have the supports and connections they need, it makes the world work better. You see more productivity, um, you see happier citizens, and I think we see better outcomes all the way around. Yeah, that that offering help without intrusion, you know that the question, you know, where where is that line and where does it happen and how does it happen? I think that that's those are great questions to be asking and great ways to be thinking, right, Tiffany? Because it's yeah. it's it's uh, you know how do we how do we do this? How, how do we uh, assist this child in the least intrusive way, the the least invasive way possible? You know, I mean, in the medical world, they try to treat you in the way that's least invasive. They try to do the thing that's going to be, uh, you know, the least impactful on the rest of you, uh, and and solve the problem. And and you know, we've we've often jumped directly to the deep end, directly to surgery. You know, directly, directly to foster care. And man, the ideas that that you're putting out there is a completely different approach from that. It's a it's a how do we Okay, how, how do we marshal what's around this family and and try to avoid upending everything in order to make it safe? And let's make Absolutely. it safe without without upending everything. And that's that's uh that's a great, great way of of thinking about these things. So yeah. so Ashton, uh Ashton's had a question. Ashton's always had a question at the backside of these conversations and uh uh, that's that's really impactful. Ashton, why don't you, what, what, what else do you have on your mind? Well, you know, you've worked for CD for, you know, almost 20 years now, or, or 20, maybe even more. We, I don't know, but you, you said about 20 years. Yeah. So in that 20 years, especially, I always think about like when you were working in frontline work, because it seems like the experience is in that work um, often is formative for your why and why you keep doing what you're doing. Um, because the reality is the work for CD that, that y'all have to do, it's not easy work. Like it, it's emotion. I, I can imagine that it would be emotionally draining, mentally difficult. Um, so I always have to wonder, you know, what makes you keep coming back every day? What happened or what, is there an experience or a moment that happened 
um, in your early time with, with CD or in any of the time you spent with CD or maybe in your life that has um, really tainted your experience or like kept you coming back? Mm -hmm. So Ashton, there were several, but th this particular one is, is it for me. I think about it sometimes um, and I knew we were gonna talk about this. I knew, we, I knew you were gonna ask something like this and I was thinking about it this morning. So um, during my time as an FCS worker, I worked with one family in particular who like clockwork, I was going out to their house every month to talk to them about, you know, child rearing things like potty training and stuff like that. Um, there have been some concerns of like neglect of the children. And so my mission was to make sure mom and stepdad had the resources they needed to, you know, be able to handle potty training properly and discipline properly and things like that. And so it, it had gotten to a situation where I was nearing ready to close out on the case and I was not going to be working with the family anymore. And I went out for what I thought was going to be probably my um, final home visit and one of the children, um, the middle-aged child wasn't home. And so I told the mom, I'll come back next week, same time. It, you know, she's gonna be home, we made the plan. Next week, same time, I showed up. Mom, when I knocked on the door, did not realize I was coming. She had forgotten. There were a lot of things going on in her life. Um, and so she had forgotten. So she invited me in very reluctantly, came in the, in the house. We started talking and um, I asked about the middle child, you know, where, where, where are they? And, you know, can I see them? And mom said, well, she's in the bathroom. And so I thought, well, you know, I got to lay eyes on her before I leave. So how can I get this done? You know, she's in the bathroom. I waited around, small talk, you know, the whole night, and she didn't leave the bathroom. So at some point I say to mom, okay, let's negotiate. She's in the bathroom. This kid is two and a half years old. Um, how about I stand in the bedroom, which contains the bathroom, and it's bathroom suite in the bedroom. How about I stand in there? You come with me so that you can see me seeing her and I can make contact and talk to her and see how she's doing. So mom says, okay, reluctantly. I walk towards the bedroom, stepdad's in the bedroom, he's playing video games. He doesn't talk to me at all. He doesn't speak. And mom is telling me, here she is, you can see her. So I'm talking to this kiddo and I see mom is super distracted. She goes off. And so now I'm left in the bedroom, stepdad's in the bedroom on the bed, child is in the bathroom child head down and just kind of quiet and not really talking so i engage her and having a conversation and then i realize at some point something's wrong it was at that point that um during my conversation with this child i'm kind of moving to the back and i'm looking and trying to pay attention to what i'm seeing and i can start to see the signs of some bruises on this child and so I didn't bring attention to that because I knew something was wrong in the household. I just simply found a way to, you know, make it to my car so that I could tell mom I needed to get some information for her, some materials to help her with some food needs that she had. And then I used that to take care of business. Um, and so at that point, we were able to engage people from our agency, representatives from, you know, police force to come out and do the pieces that they needed to do so that we could successfully um, determine if this child 
needed to be there or not. And so the decision was made for the child not to be there because of what we saw with this child being black and blue. And so um, when that child was in the car, I had, you know, we had that middle child, the oldest child who was three or four years older, and then an infant. The oldest child in that moment, after I got all of these kids in their car seats, and I'm sitting in this car with these children and ready to transport them to my office to meet one of their family members who would become their temporary guardian or caregiver to take care of them. This seven-year-old child turns and looks at me and says, thank you. Thank you for helping my sister. For me, that was probably one of the most critical moments in my career because to have a child see what happened as a support to her family in that time, it was for me just, it was eye-opening about the necessity of what we do. But then also, you know, people look at us and, and they have all different opinions of what we are, what we do, why we do it. Um, but for that child in that moment, who knows how many times she's seen her sister experience that who knows what she felt was going to happen to her sister as a result of that. And she thanked me for helping her. So that was my moment. That was it. That was it. And I, and I couldn't, you know, cause I would think this work is dangerous. Sometimes we experience things that you're kind of, before you go in, you're kind of assessing what is my personal safety going to be like, and you're having to make plans for if something doesn't go the way you expect it to go. But in those moments, I thought, if a child can experience this, I can help them. Hmm. I can help them. If, if they got to go through it, why can't I? Why can't I be brave enough to be there with them? So that was my moment. That that was what kept me going. And, and I've had other similar situations, but that was that one for me. Wow. If a child can do it, I can. That That's a mind shift, a mind, mindset shift. I that's great. That's that's powerful. I'm gonna steal Daryl's word. That's powerful. That was my moment. They go through unbelievable things, and you know, like for us, for me, it was equating my prior experience, right? Like as a kid, I'm going through these things. I, I didn't always have somebody there to help me, right? But when I did have people there to help me, it helped me know that there are good people in the world. There are adults who really care, and I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to be part of that experience for a lifetime, and so that was my that was my reason. And she she just kind of helped bring it full circle for me to say, "Whoa, I didn't expect to thank you. I didn't need one, but her doing that in that moment just it changed it for me. It changed it. I think I became hyper vigilant about you know like following up with people, um, checking on things that I thought." I'm not sure about this. Let me just go show up. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go check in again. You know, no kid's going to be missed that month because if, if I had a missed her that month, she might not be here. Right. She might not be here. And she is, you know, what from what I heard years later, she reunified with her mom. Um, I think stepdad went to prison. Um, and I don't know what happened with him, but she was reunified with mom and 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 she, you know, grew up and, and became just fine. But um, yeah, that was it. Well, when that child when that child says to you, thank you for helping my sister, 
you were you were also helping them, you know, because you're you're preserving the relationships and you're and, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm thinking that maybe 20 years from now, that child will say, you know what? Uh, my, my, uh, my sister was really having a hard time and we had all this, these bad things happening to her and somebody from children's division came over there and, uh, and took care of her. And I decided on that day, I wanted to work for children's division and not be a pitcher for the Cardinals. You know, instead I decided, instead I decided I want to do that because, uh, because it helps people, uh, because you were helping people and, uh, you know. And and glad and grateful that that child got to you know retain relationships with people because people did their stuff and bad people went away and it's uh, but if if there were if nothing were done you know we could be talking about a really sad story and we're not so absolutely it's, that's right it's really it's really powerful so thank you Tiffany so it's uh, thank you for the story thank you for your story uh, thank you for uh, your journey and sharing it with us and and continuing to share it with us as we go forward and do. Uh, our important work. Ashton, is there anything else you think we uh, ought to discuss during during this podcast? No, I think I think I think that's as good a note to end on as any. I I think so too. So Tiffany, thank you so much for uh, being part of this podcast. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of uh, our work and a part of our lives and uh, for being who you are. Uh, we're really grateful for you and just thanks for doing it and. Uh, we look forward to all the things you're going to do as we go forward. It's a very exciting time. So thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you so much, Daryl. I really appreciate it. All right. And thanks to all of you who have listened uh, to our latest version of the We Are Children's Division podcast. Keep tuning in. You're getting credit every time you do it. And uh, I hope that, and and by the way, getting great stories and, and I think some uh, really uplifting conversations. So thank you all for being here. Until next time, uh, we will see you then. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Listen to more episodes of this podcast or our newest podcast, The Call to Foster, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to help us reach and inspire more Missourians. Thanks for listening.